Welcome everyone to another episode of your favorite podcast, The Youth and Government Connection. Your host today will be Sean Ferris and Chase Minix. Today we will discuss a few bills that we believe are important topics and take a deep dive into how they will change the Commonwealth. Also stay tuned for a Back to the Basics segment on everything you need to know about being a lobbyist. Today, Sean and I will be talking about two bills, House Bill Number 3 and House Bill Number 5. Both of these bills have been passed by the Senate and will go to the governor's desk to be signed into action. To start, we will discuss House Bill Number 3. House Bill Number 3 was described as a step towards the decriminalization of drug possession in the Commonwealth and was created in response to our current drug laws, which the patron of the bill claimed were not and have not been working. The bill most notably drops down the punishment of possession of small amounts of drugs for anyone who is an inmate of a penal institution from a class 5 felony to a class 2 misdemeanor. For everyone else, this bill would drop down the punishment from a class 1 to a class 3 misdemeanor. Let's get into it. First, Sean, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on the bill. Yeah, this bill was definitely on good grounds. The patrons seemed really well prepared with sources like the WHO, or the World Health Organization, and other public health groups. Yeah, uh, definitely. A lot of the senators today brought up some good points about um, similar legislation working both domestically and internationally that are um, uh, even more uh, uh, progressive, if you will. Um, what did you think about it? Yeah, I, I t- totally agree with what you said. And I also agree that this bill has good intentions beyond uh, just what's currently in the bill. Uh, the patron uh, definitely made it known that his intention with the bill was to not uh, let drug decriminalization end at that bill. He wanted it to keep going, but this was just the first step in that process. Uh, but it wasn't Everyone wasn't in agreement as some patrons brought up concerns that this bill would encourage drug use um, because it would be dropping down the punishments. But in response, um, one patron referenced, as you said, uh, some international changes. Uh, He referenced the country Portugal, which decriminalized the consumption of all drugs in 2001. And he stated since then... Portugal has seen their drug-induced death rate plummet along with their HIV infection rate. Wow. Um, And another point that I think is important to remember is that this bill doesn't decriminalize possession of drugs with the intent to distribute. This bill simply lowers the penalty of those convicted of possessing small amounts of drugs only intended for personal use, such as, to quote the bill, less than two grams of a mixture or substance containing a detectable amount of cocaine. The ultimate goal of this bill, uh, as I said before, is to move towards drug rehabilitation and away from criminalization. Yeah. um, The position of uh, a lot of um, the U.S. government uh, over the past 40 years has been um, very against drugs and a very... uh, very much towards criminalization so it's um it's kind of surprising to see the significant changes that um we're making to the laws um but 
the strict rules that we have now haven't really seemed to be working. All they've done is um, increased recidivism, um, like people going back into prison for drug crimes, and it hasn't really lowered um, any statistics of drug possession or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. And I think you kind of hit the nail right on the head there. Uh, those are exactly the reasons why the patron felt the need to introduce a bill yeah. like this in the first place. All right. So anyways, moving on to House Bill number five. House Bill number five was a bill introduced to essentially eliminate qualified immunity and sovereign immunity, which the patron claimed police officers who violated individuals' rights used as a get-out-of-jail-free card. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on the bill? I, I definitely think it serves to make sure those officers that um, unfortunately abuse their power are held accountable. Over the past year, we've seen how fed up people are about issues around policing. And when police are caught um, abusing their power, there's little to no punishment um but sitting on our committees i've even heard stories of our fellow mga members uh struggles with the issue while protesting um like some of the protests in richmond um even being on the receiving end of tear gas as some of the uh committee members said uh, mm -hmm. what are some of your thoughts on it yeah i definitely think uh as you said current events have definitely heavily influenced this bill uh, and I think a lot of the patrons' decisions to vote for this bill. Uh, I do want to point out uh, some concerns that patrons had with the bill, uh, one of them being that uh, it stripped police officers of uh, qualified immunity, which um, they believed would impede their ability to perform their duty or make split-second decisions because they didn't have uh, that protection backing them up. Uh, but... The bill patron's response to this was uh, that the intent of qualified immunity wasn't to protect officers from making reasonable decisions. Uh, qualified immunity only comes into play when an officer has made an unreasonable decision. Um, and another patron noted that split-second decisions, uh, which are undoubtedly some of the hardest decisions, you know, in high-stress, right. high-pressure situations, uh, those fall under reasonable mistakes uh, deemed by the Supreme Court. Um, so uh, that uh, kind of that point was made in reference to the concern that police officers wouldn't be able to perform their duty right. if stripped of qualified immunity. So they wouldn't um, be if they did make a mistake under pressure, it wouldn't um, affect the police officers, what you're saying? Yeah, they would still have, uh, even with this bill, they would still have protection uh, on making those split-second decisions. Um, gotcha. The only thing is there, if there was, you know, unreasonable decisions made, they, right. they wouldn't have qualified immunity to fall back on. Um, another point was made that the police officers who fear working as a police officer without having qualified immunity probably shouldn't be in the job field in the first place because you shouldn't be thinking the first thing oh if i if i do what i'm going to do i'm i'm probably going to get in trouble for it uh, yeah. but it's important to remember uh it's definitely important to protect our police officers right. who do put their lives 
on the line protecting us. Uh, yep, definitely. Uh, they protect us in our commonwealth, and we do not want to impede on their ability to do their job. But it is also very important to hold everyone accountable for their actions. And if you don't have any more thoughts on that, um, I think that will wrap up our main segment for the day. Uh, we got we summarized those two bills, House Bill Number Three, uh, House Bill Number Five. As we said, both of those have been passed by the Senate and are now up to the governor's decision on whether or not they will pass.、Um, But other than that, it is now time to move on to our back to the basics segment and tell you everything you need to know about being a lobbyist. All right, it's now time for our back to the basics segment. Today, we will be focusing on lobbyists. As you know, when choosing a role within MGA, lobbying is one of the options. Lobbying is a big part of our current day government and influences a lot of decisions being made. Interests from Major corporations, all the way down to small communities or advocacy groups, all seek influence in government by speaking through their thoughts and research. However, many people do not have a great understanding of what a lobbyist does, particularly. So, we're here. We're here today to let you know, to educate you.、Um, today, we are joined by lobbyists. Tor Gustafsson, and he obviously has a pretty first-hand account of the job. So, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Awesome. No problem. All right. So, um, how how would you describe the the job? Um, personally, it's my favorite out of all the ones at MGA, and you get to really dive deep onto. Just bills in your single、uh, or court or committee. Like personally, I'm in the courts of justice, so I only have to research House bills one through five, or the House Court of Justice. So I only have to research those five bills. Where delegates usually have to research more, so they can have an understanding on what they're、um, gonna approve or deny. So it's really nice to like. Actually, get to know different bills instead of just having like a summary knowledge. Yeah, it always seems like the lobbyists are the the most prepared in the room、mm-hmm. for everything. That's cool.、Um, how long have you been doing、uh, MGA and and lobbying in particular? This is my third year. The first one I was an underclassman legislature, and then these past two years I've been a lobbyist. Oh, awesome.、Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe the workload? For a lobbyist, yeah, you know, lobbyists—they have a little bit more workload than your average delegate, but it's most just time requirements. Like, for example, yesterday I had to start at eight thirty for a lobbyist session, where most people start nine. I also had to get on a press conference with the youth, youth governor, but、oh. you also or get on at seven for that, but. You don't have to sit through the entire,、uh, like when House and Senate convene. You just have to be there for your bills, but or and a little bit before just to help prepare your the delegates that are in charge of the bills that you're helping them with.、Oh, that seems much nicer than、yeah. sitting on the 
<laughs> the whole session. Yeah, like today. I don't know how long the Senate went, but I remember the first five bills took like two hours. Oh, it's forever. Yeah. yeah, so you mentioned the um, the lobbyist uh, meetings that you guys have at uh, 7.30. Uh, uh, could you like describe those for me? Yeah. Or 8.30? So we have them in my schedule here like three, four times a day. And it's just to connect with all the lobbyists, see how everyone's bill is doing. We had a lobbyist, I'm pretty sure she worked as for government relations with Comcast, come and talk to us about lobbying and the job. And oh, wow. Got to learn like what they actually do. And that was really interesting. But during those, we the lobbying get togethers, we more just like talk about how it went and talk about ways we can improve. Wow. Um, since you did get a bit of a talk from like a real um, lobbyist, could you describe to us like what the outside of MGA, what lobbying is like? Yeah. So lobbying outside of MGA, you either or you work for a private company, which she described there's two groups. There is either you work directly with a single company or you work as a contractor where you can do multiple companies and then with that you go into the committees and you're allowed to say what you want to like you are at mga and either argue for or against and with real lobbying you also talk to different government uh people in the government like she talked about uh how she had friends in the uh, department of transport and she could talk to them and stuff and like she knew a lot of people around and you just talk to them get them to help whatever or the people that hired you to push whatever law you're trying to push and yeah wow it definitely seems like a, a, a very accomplishing job like mm -hmm. very rewarding yeah I bet it's nice seeing, like, if your bill actually gets put into law, or the one you argue. Yeah. Um, if there's anything else about lobbying that um, you wanted everyone to know, or maybe some encouragement for people um, who might be considering doing lobbying next year, um, go ahead and All right. so talk about that. I definitely see lob or I'm a little biased, but I definitely see lobbying as right. one of the more interesting jobs because you can really get to know things you get to talk to the youth governor and talk to like the higher-ups at mga to push your point and there's like there's some people that have bills that you know are gonna pass but like their time at mga isn't gonna be too interesting because they know it's gonna pass but with you there's some that you have to struggle for and yeah like you actually have to or like it's fun trying to work and getting people to agree with you but i personally would do it and i do <laughs> right uh -huh. well well thank you mm -hmm. lobbyist gustafson thank for you. joining us today and explaining to all of us um the the full scope of your job that mm -hmm. i know i wasn't fully aware of um and good luck with all your bills thank you and i hope they 
it's signed by the governor. Yeah. All right, this will conclude our Back to the Basics segment for this episode. If you find yourself wondering about any more details on MGA roles or any part of the MGA experience, you can find a student guide on the YMCA website or www.bayymca.org or under the MGA program tab. Now for some announcements. Reminded that candidate election voting ends at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. So make sure to vote. The closing ceremony will take place at noon on Saturday, wrapping up this amazing weekend. And with that, that concludes this episode of the Youth and Government Connection. We want to give a big thanks to Lobby Gustafsson for joining us today and telling us what his job is like. Thank you to everyone listening and to the wonderful MGA staff that has allowed us to participate in yet another great conference. We are your hosts, Chase Minutes and Sean Ferris, and remember to stay safe and stay involved.